Thinking with Two Brains, Student Perspectives on the Presentation of Race in Preclinical Medical Education by myself, Marcus Mosley, and Nashwin Tasfia, Kimberly Serna, Marlene Camacho-Rivera, and Victoria Fry. Introduction. The use of race in medical education has been the subject of intense debate and discussion and is receiving increased attention in the current context of dramatic racial disparities in SARS-CoV-2 infection rates and COVID-19 mortality. While racial categorization may be important for documenting the experiences of marginalized communities, Brandt et al. suggests that medical educators must critically evaluate how they present the construct of race in order to avoid teaching students that race is a biological construct and that racial profiling of patients is clinically beneficial. Some propose that race should be used thoughtfully in clinical encounters as a proxy for social history, whereas others argue for race to be conceptualized as a social construct. However, there is significant variability within and across institutions in medical education curricula in terms of whether medical students should include race in clinical presentations. The presentation of race to medical students during the preclinical and clinical years may influence both beliefs and implicit biases, potentially influencing future clinical practices and further widening racial disparities in care. Hoffman et al. found that medical students and residents held false beliefs about biological differences between blacks and whites, which predicted racial bias and pain perception and treatment of patients. Similarly, Drunkman et al. found that medical staff perceived black athletes to feel less pain than white athletes. This race effect was mediated by perceptions of social class. Reviews of the topic published in 2015, 2017, and 2020 found that while racial ethnic implicit bias is present, specifically positive attitude towards whites, it is more likely to be related to patient-provider interactions with no impact on clinical decision-making. There are various contexts in which the race of patients can be presented, documented, or used in medical education, including writing a history of present illness, answering board-style questions, participating in problem-based learning modules, and as a mental shortcut for memorizing diseases. In clinical case presentations, the inclusion or exclusion of race in opening statements varies widely across U.S. medical schools. According to Finnecane and Caressi, Race is more often specified and repeated during presentations of black patients, especially when negative personal characteristics are mentioned. A study by Ripman Brown found that a question bank for the United States Medical Licensing Exam, Step 1, routinely used race and ethnicity without any significance to the question. However, when race was significant, the patient's race was more likely to be African American than white, and also more likely to involve a genetic mutation. This pattern was identified recently in a major online virtual patient program. The authors concluded that this can lead to clinical bias by conveying an essentialist notion of race as a biological construct, suggesting to students that the diagnostic value of race is more important for African Americans than for people who are categorized as white. The development and marketing of race-specific treatments presents a further challenge to medical educators while such medications have been critiqued as a product of marketing over science, for example, Bidal, a hypertensive drug for African Americans, medical educators must prepare students to evaluate how to use them. Barr describes the dilemma physicians face regarding the use of race-specific treatments, such as race-based hypertension medications for blacks, and whether or not they are effective for the individual black patient. 
2010 study examining the attitudes of primary care physicians around race-based therapies found primary care physicians to have a nuanced understanding of race-based therapies and to exhibit discomfort around the marketing of race-specific pharmaceutical trials. Medical education is challenged to integrate instruction around such treatments while not reinforcing the essentialist notion of race as a biological construct. While there are a number of prospective pieces about the use of race in medical education and limited scholarship around medical curricula conceptualizing race as a biological risk factor, there's a scarcity of research studies examining how students of color examine the presentation of race in their medical education. Here we report the results of a qualitative, in-depth interview study that explored medical students' experiences of the presentation of race, as well as what they were taught about the value and use of race in clinical decision-making. In addition, we explored how students use race in their studying and test-taking behaviors. Our approach is framed broadly within critical race theory, which according to Ford and Rahan Nabua, advances research that explicitly names and considers the role of racism as a system of oppression that produces social conditions that give rise to racial disparities in health. In this case, we examine how medical education, reflecting racism in U.S. society, may be experienced in ways that reinforce notions that contribute to the processes, such as racial bias, that lead to racial disparities in healthcare-related outcomes. Results of our research contribute to growing the evidence base around how medical students experience potentially conflicting instructional content around the construct and use of race, as well as the pros and cons of various modes of delivery for teaching about the use of race. Methods. Procedure. Between October 2018 and May 2019, currently enrolled medical students at a Metropolitan Public MD program were recruited using email communication by a trained interviewer. Only M1 and M2 students participated. We assume M3 through M4 students face logistical challenges such as a busy schedule, rotations at various hospitals away from campus, etc. Students were invited to participate in an in-depth interview conducted by Marcus Mosley. 22 students contacted the interviewer and all were enrolled into the study. The majority of participants were non-white, centering the voices of those most impacted by racism. The research team was similarly diverse, consisting of one black man, two Latinx women, one Asian woman, and one white woman. The interviews focus on how students use and are taught to use race in their problem-solving, medical documentation, learning experiences, and in a clinically meaningful manner as future physicians. Participants provided written informed consent. Most interviews lasted 35 to 70 minutes. The median interview length was 52 minutes. And the interviews were digitally audio taped, transcribed by members of the research team and a professional transcriber. Participants were compensated with a round trip Metro card and $25 in cash. The study was reviewed and approved by the Institutional Review Board of the City University of New York. We used the standards for reporting qualitative research guidelines to report results. In order to protect the confidentiality of participants due to the small sample size and potential for recognizing the institution where the study was conducted, participants' sociodemographic information was not collected and the gender inclusion pronoun they is used in reporting results. Interviews The in-depth interview guide was developed based on our knowledge of the major modalities of medical education in the preclinical years, as well as gaps identified in the literature around how medical students experience various presentations of race in medical education. The in-depth interview guide focused on four domains, how participants conceptualize race, 
participants' exposure to the use of race in the classroom and curriculum, how participants use race in their problem-solving and learning experiences, and how participants envision using race in future clinical encounters as physicians. As noted, we framed our inquiry in critical race theory and sought to examine how medical education reflecting racism in U.S. society may be experienced in ways that reinforce notions that contribute to the processes, such as racial bias, that lead to racial disparities in healthcare-related outcomes. Critical race theory also centers the voices of those most impacted by racism, an approach embraced in our analysis. All but one author are black, indigenous, or other people of color, and all but two are medical students slash trainees. Further, the study sample was drawn from a unique medical school where the representation of BIPOC is significantly above the national average. Finally, our study reflects the critical race theory principle of praxis, or the reflexive studying of the self, where we are studying our own medical school in a collaboration between students and faculty. Analysis. Transcripts were analyzed using a multidisciplinary framework method. Analysis of the transcripts was iterative, applying both deductive and inductive approaches. Transcripts were independently read by all members of the research team to confirm the utility of the original codes based on the major domains in the guide, and to identify novel codes as well as emergent themes. Coding was conducted using QSR International's NVivo 9 qualitative software. A basic coding scheme was developed a priori based on the major domains in the interview guide to provide a basic framework for a pragmatic approach to understanding the presentation of race in various learning modalities. Marcus Mosley coded all the interviews using the a priori codes as well as creating new codes as new domains emerged. The second author, Nashrin Tasfia, coded four interviews using a priori and emerging codes, and a comparison was conducted to assess consistency in coding. Coding discrepancies were identified and resolved via an analytic team meeting. Then a retraining was conducted and consensus on the application of the coding scheme was reached. Marcus Mosley then recoded all interviews based on these changes to the coding scheme. Next queries were run for specific codes including the following, problem-based learning modules, board-style questions, history of present illness, in the classroom, memorization, right way, problems and bias. We then read the results of each query across participants and through multiple all-study team discussions and identified major emergent themes in a manner articulated by Kiger and Varpio. For example, the codes of discomfort and self-conscious were found to occur in a specific context of codes in the classroom and board-style questions, leading to a connection of these codes and the theme of cognitive dissonance. Saturation was determined to have been reached when no new themes or content emerged after an additional two interviews were conducted. In our results, in order to minimize the likelihood that describing participants' self-reported socio-demographic characteristics could result in their identification, we identified participant quotes by for publication, study identification numbers only. Results the 22 participants were either first or second year students in a medical school located in a major metropolitan area. Because of the potential for identifying study participants based on the institutional affiliation of the authors and socio-demographic characteristics of each quoted participant, we opted not to describe each participant in quoted text as is a tradition in the presentation of qualitative results. 
we note that the age, racial, and gender composition of the sample was diverse and represented the largest student population of this unique medical school, where approximately half of the student body is BIPOC and nearly two-thirds are women. Lack of precision in the presentation of race. We asked participants to describe how race was presented to them in the curriculum. Despite most participants being unsure of how to evaluate the presentation of racial categories in lectures, most believe there was a lack of precision when using race in the classroom. Several participants mentioned that having multiple professors teach the same topic using different racial categories, such as using Hispanic versus Latino versus Hispanic slash Latino, contributes to a lack of precision due to the lack of continuity. A few participants mentioned how racial categories used in the classroom were often binary, black or white. One participant mentioned how South Asians were lumped in with Asians. Several participants mentioned how the group Ashkenazi Jews is talked about in the same manner as African Americans in terms of race disease associations. Participants wondered if Ashkenazi Jews were a race or ethnicity. The participants were roughly split as to whether the race of a teacher influenced the level of precision and presentation of topics involving race and racism. A few believe that the teacher's age and country of origin influence the precision and presentation of race. One participant said, I definitely think their age and country of origin play a big role because we do have a lot of doctors here who aren't really aware of the social climate in America and race in America, so they might perceive certain things differently and like age as well. Younger generations are more just like aware in every possible way. Participants who believed that the race of the teacher was important cited reasons such as the delivery being more empowering, less awkward, important for people of color to see people teaching that are also of the same background, and small subtle things would change, more sensitivity. One participant said, When certain races talk about the black experience, they tend to sugarcoat it, not go into it as in-depth as we would like them to, or just give wrong information. I feel a black person understands the importance of our black history, of our black race, and why it affects us to this day. They can give me a lot more honesty, a lot more rawness, and a lot more realness that can teach me something. In addition to the benefits of racial congruence in the delivery of material for students of color, one student mentioned the benefits of racial congruence for a white student. For one white male to explain to another white male how, why affirmative action is necessary, I think that added to the discussion, I wasn't considering his race or gender, but in retrospect, I guess having a white male support a policy supporting marginalized communities, I think gave it extra value. The other half of participants did not believe the teacher's race influence the precision or presentation of race, but reported that the main reason for imprecision in presentation was due to a lack of awareness. I feel it's up to the professor whether they are aware, if someone's white, they could still be aware how to speak on a certain disease. People of a certain race have, and the presenter could think of how this might make people feel, and do something to change to make them feel less uncomfortable. Value of the presentation of race in various learning modalities. 
We ask students about the value of the presentation of race in various modalities, informed by the existing literature around presentation of race in the preclinical classroom. Participants describe different levels of the value of the presentation of race in different learning modalities. These values differ depending on the goal, to get the right answer or to become a better diagnostician. The majority of participants believe that race had little value in problem-based learning modules. Several participants mentioned how the design of problem-based learning modules provided lots of information, including lab values, diagnostic imaging, blood smears, etc., so that race was not important. Other participants noted that when they do pay attention to race in problem-based learning modules, that it is case or disease specific. The pulmonary PBO, I thought it was a vasculitis, so I started asking what race is this patient, and like other students will respond, I don't think it's Takayasu, because she's not Asian. It's wrong, because you need to not just justify by race, you need to also justify by other means. They gave us a picture of the patient, and it was a white woman. Overall, participants believe that the goal of participating in problem-based learning modules was to gain in-depth knowledge about various diseases that may present similarly. They concluded that using race as a shortcut in problem-based learning modules would undermine that goal. Participants contrasted the presentation, or not, of race in problem-based learning modules with the scarcity of information provided in board-style questions, elevating the emphasis on race when answering questions. Participants mentioned that the goal in answering board-style questions was to get the right answer. In PBLs, you're given a wide range of information. Social history, family history, past medical history. But questions at the most, five sentences or six sentences, I know that they have to carefully choose what information they're going to give because the purpose of that question is to lead me to an answer. And so by knowing that, I feel I pay more attention to each of the things that are presented. And if race is one out of five pieces of information, I'm more likely to pay attention. One participant mentioned the repetitive nature of learning race disease associations from doing questions, leading to race having value in the context of answering questions, whereas in problem-based learning modules, there is no reinforcement. The majority of participants reported using race as a shortcut when answering questions. We're always looking for the keywords or the shortcuts to get the certain diagnosis so that we can answer the question. We're always doing that. We're kind of cheating our way through the questions without actually understanding the whole case or presentation. We're using key words like race to get by. Most participants said that they would probably consider race in the future when treating patients in order to provide holistic care. Although many participants said that they would consider race as another piece of evidence, they would not consider race alone in making a diagnosis. I think race should serve as another piece of evidence, like you collect their labs and their physical exam and their race and age. I think they all come together to help you make a diagnosis, but alone, definitely not. One participant noted that race should not be the first thing one pays attention to when interacting with the patient, but that race could be considered as an added factor in figuring out a diagnosis. Most participants expressed concerns that using race could lead to bias and mistakes and thus should not be used at all. However, several participants believe that the best solution was to use race and be more critically aware of using race. I think in my head, like, I don't know if there is a right way of using race, but I think of it as being aware of it, but not dictating the quality of care that you give someone. Inconsistency and mixed messages. 
majority of participants reported receiving mixed and inconsistent messages around the value and use of race, particularly in interactions with standardized patients. Students reported being told to either always include race, never include race, or only include race when relevant, not defined, or when race can be identified as a risk factor, or only if a standardized patient self-identifies his or her race. I feel like it's a mix of like where you get your sources and information from. Some people might say it's important to always list down race because you just never know when it could be relevant. Most participants reported that they did not feel adequately prepared to use or not use race in documentation after an encounter with a standardized patient in a clinically meaningful manner. Participants mentioned the lack of formal instruction on this topic in the curriculum, structured discussions around the benefits and disadvantages of using race, and implementation skills to apply epidemiological race-based statistics to clinical care. I just feel like there should be a better approach in teaching us how to ask these things or once you use race, the benefits of using it or the disadvantages of using it as well. There's not really a big discussion about it in general. Several participants explained how they would like to ask how a standardized patient self-identifies, but in reality they do not. One participant noted that they had never practiced asking a standardized patient his or her race. I've never asked during my OSCE how the patient identifies. It just sounds weird. I don't feel like I'm prepared to have a discussion on the patient's race unless they bring it up for some reason. I don't feel comfortable to ask them, what race are you? How do you identify? To me, it sounds like a random question. I don't want to turn off the patient where it's like, oh, why did she ask me that? Another noted that they just assume the standardized patient's race for their documentation afterwards. I would definitely ask for their race and how you identify it. But the tricky thing is that it's different from the practices that I visited. Sometimes I admit in the SP clinical interaction, if I see someone and she's white, I just put Caucasian. I don't even ask. One participant said they would feel comfortable asking where a patient's family was from instead of their race. Another participant felt it would be more accurate to ask a patient about their ethnicity and would feel more comfortable asking about race if they also asked about ethnicity. The majority of participants reported that there is a lack of discussion around why specific race disease associations exist. They noted that race was presented consistently in the epidemiology of sections of their learning, but that they really did deep dives into why certain race disease associations existed. When we're doing epidemiology and they're introducing a disease and they'll say the epidemiology of the disease affects men more than women. It affects this population of people more than this population of people but they don't really give us explanations why. Black people, sarcoid, I don't know why. Cognitive dissonance. Why am I thinking with these two brains? Despite participants acknowledging that knowing race disease associations were very helpful for doing well in tests, the majority of participants said that they would not place the same value on race when answering board-style questions as in interacting with patients in real life or the real world. When it comes to question problems, I feel like I pay attention to their race a lot because that's what I'm used to seeing in all my books. But I know it's not an accurate way in real life. My real world brain has to realize that those associations aren't going to be so distinct and common like that in the real world. So it kind of just feels like, why am I thinking with these two brains? You're trying to spend less than a minute on each question, so it trains your brain to think if A, then it must be B. So there's sort of a major reaction that you learn and put into the real world. That's not a very good thing because you're not supposed to be, oh, 
this person is Asian, they must have this. You have to look at the whole patient in the real world. So putting this in the question like, why do you even test us on this? The double consciousness or thinking with two brains participants described when answering board-style questions was also present during the presentation of race in the classroom as feelings of discomfort, self-consciousness, and of being stuck emerged. There have been a lot of classes where I've been shocked when you're facing statistics about you in like a large lecture room and it's just being read off without empathy or sympathy for the fact that there are people in this room that you're telling us about ourselves and that's affecting us. For example, I mentioned the statistics on black women being more likely to have a miscarriage or black women being more likely to die after childbirth and all of these negative statistics relating to that. For a lecturer to just say something and move on, meanwhile, as a black woman, I'm still stuck in that. I'm still stuck. Like, those words are reverberating through my head, and obviously I can't pay attention to what comes after. Discussion In this study, we explore and describe how medical students experience the presentation of race and how they use race in various pedagogical contexts throughout their medical education. Our study suggests that students could benefit from a formal and consistent education program around the why behind the presentation of race in medical education. Students need to understand the mechanisms behind racial disparities at the population level and race disease associations at the individual level. While many medical students have developed race and medicine curricula that explore racial sensitivity and racial disparities, there is a scarcity of curricula explaining the why to medical students. This can be due to the medical community not having or investing the curricular time required for adequate explanations of certain race disease associations, or medical educators and students believing it to be outside the domain of biomedicine, or feeling uncomfortable discussing societal and social causes of racial disparities. Robert Sanders and Wass found that students were more comfortable discussing race within the biomedicine model. Outside this model, barriers such as white students revealing ignorance or minority students experiencing discomfort hinder discussions about race. Discussing the why or evidence-based hypotheses for race disease associations may prevent students from filling gaps in their knowledge with race as biology explanations, consistent with Hoffman and colleagues' study, which found that medical students and residents held false biological beliefs about differences between blacks and whites. We found that students learn how to use race particularly via specific forms of assessment, like board-style tests and with standardized patients. All participants believed, consistent with RIP et al., that if race is used in a board-style question, it was likely relevant to answering the question correctly, and often emphasized race disease associations differ differentially, with the association acting as a clue to the right answer more often among non-whites compared to whites. To address this, more attention can be paid to ensuring question writers are conscious of how questions are framed and the balance between using indications of white and non-white races in questions as race disease associations. In contrast to board-style questions, as students engage in more realistic learning modalities, such as engaging in problem-based learning modules or writing a history of present illness, they question the value and meaning of race for a range of reasons. For example, inconsistency around racial identification or what race might mean to a diagnosis. In reality, patient race is obtained in various ways in clinical settings. 
Bonham and colleagues found that most primary care physicians asked their patients to self-report race on an intake form or asked patients directly about their racial identity. Students should be provided opportunities to obtain self-identified racial information, as well as to critically consider the value of self-identified race and ethnicity, both as a reflection of geographical ancestry and as an indicator of social history and experiences. Participants in our study who were largely African American or Latinx students described experiencing cognitive dissonance due to the juxtaposition of their personal experiences as people of color and recognizing the insufficiencies of racial categories and the superficial and totalizing way they are often taught or not to use race as physicians. Additionally, similar to Olson's development of the term conscripted curriculum, where students of color are burdened by being asked to share their experience in marginalization, the students in our study felt burdened and or self-conscious not only from talking about race, but also by thinking about what its presentation means to them in the moment, particularly when the framing is negative or non-empowering. For example, several students recounted thinking about how statistics about black women applied to them. More research is needed as to whether the race, ethnicity, sex, gender, or other characteristics of the faculty member presenting information influences the impact of the presentation, and whether and how this varies by student characteristics. As well, there is a need to characterize how medical school missions, for example, an explicit social mission and socio-historical contexts, for example, historically black colleges, universities, predominantly white institutions, impact and influence how students experience the presentation of race, particularly among students of color. It is imperative that the medical education community seriously consider how it is teaching race, both implicitly and explicitly, and via the impact of assessment, as well as how students experience this instruction for several reasons. First, while the majority of our participants said they envisioned using race in the future as a physician, many felt ill-equipped to do so competently. Similar to a study by Roberts et al., the participants in our study struggled with the two ideas of not wanting to use race in a totalizing manner, but being aware of the use of race as a biological or epidemiological risk factor for certain diseases. Students should be taught in such a manner where they emerge feeling capable and skilled in using race without anchoring a diagnosis. Reflecting this, the use of, of race correction in clinical algorithms has been challenged, urging researchers and clinicians to distinguish between a descriptive and a prescriptive use of race, which may worsen inequities. Second, medical education must rethink how it teaches race because we do not live in a post-racial society. Race is often the defining feature of a patient's identity, as well as determining their life chances and lived experiences. Finally, the field must acknowledge how students feel both about how race is presented to them in their medical education and whether they feel competent to integrate race in their future clinical care provision. Our study has limitations. Although our sample was racially diverse and reflective of the underlying student population, the unique elements of the school make our results less generalizable to both predominantly white and minority majority, such as historically black, medical schools. While attempts were made to ensure the data were collected in a manner that ensured confidentiality, by using participant de-identification numbers, inferring participants that everything they said would remain confidential, and de-identifying data before Victoria Fry and Marlene Carmacho Rivera, both faculty members, participated in the analysis, some participants may not have been comfortable discussing topics around the use of race and racial bias. As a result, some participants may have censored themselves. 
In addition, this could have prevented students with outlier views or beliefs from participating in this study. As well, students with concerns around the presentation of race could have been more likely to seek participation. A unique strength of our study is that the majority of the participants were non-white, shedding light on the experiences of students of color in medical education. Conclusions These results highlight how medical students experience the presentation of race in various learning modalities and how they envision using race in the future as clinicians. Our results have implications for the development of novel educational approaches and interventions to address what we identify as concerns related to an uncritical or imprecise presentation of race in medical education. Improving the presentation of race in medical education could be achieved via standardization, employing learning modalities where race is used holistically, such as problem-based learning, and encouraging awareness of how the presentation of race impacts students from marginalized backgrounds, as well as more in-depth explanations of racial disparities and disease outcomes. Combined, these can mitigate the development of racial bias and essentialist notions of race as biology, improving the learning experience for all students, and potentially improving clinical decision-making.